So, Saji Crossroad. I noticed that Louise's machine is with the Allah's forces. We've been running away from the enemy for the last four months to recover our fighting strength. But we're gonna stand and fight now, aren't we? Yeah. Are you gonna shoot Louise down? That's up to you. Huh? Destruction isn't the only thing that battles can bring. They can also create things. I believe it's possible. I think our Gundams are capable of doing that. The rest is up to you. Listen, I can't pull a trigger. I understand that. All I can do is keep trying to reach Louise. I understand. But even so, I'll try. I'll try. Let's go see Louise Halavi. Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. It's been three months since I last touched a microphone. I'm Tyler. Wow, time went much faster than I thought it would have. My name is Zach. We are watching episode 18 of part two of Gundam Double O this week, which is episode 43 of the series overall, Entangled Yearnings, a thing I forgot to say at the start of all three of the episodes we recorded two days ago. Wait, the... Really? The, yes. <laughs> the I didn't even title? notice. Yes. Wow, we're bad at this. No, I'm bad at this. Clearly neither of us caught it. I'd ask what you two have been doing for the past four months, but I know. Let's see. I'm supposed to ask things and stimulate conversation in this segment of the podcast, but I used it all two days ago. <laughs> As I predicted, the in- the un- intros will only get worse, even if I remember to say episode names. So that's all to say, we're watching episode 18 slash 43 today, Entangled Yearnings, a Gundam-ass title. You can watch along, if you like, on Crunchyroll. We begin with the most boring speech by President Not Obama. The unprecedented act of mega-terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like mega-evolution, but... Yeah, terrorism. exactly. You need a held item in order Can, to activate mega-terrorism. Honestly, someone think of a worse way to phrase that. Hyper-terrorism. And, and yet, absolutely how a politician would refer to it. Giga-terrorism. Yocto-terrorism, anyway. He's like, anyway, it's been four months, and we reboot the tower, because we're really good at engineering now. And, uh, well, I mean, they, they didn't rebuild the tower, just never came all the way down. Yeah, the power has been restored. Beyond that, we don't know. Whose official color is pink, do you think? What country? Yeah. Themyscira. I gotta say about this speech, when you are using the phrase eradicate and dissident close to each other, you're on the bad guy's side just by default. Like, I'm sorry, when you use that word in your speech. Well, it can't be. He's got Arturo Goodman sitting right behind him. Anyway, he's like, good news, everyone. I've dissolved the army and it's under the A-laws now. It's going to be a-holes all the way down. That will unite the world. Well, I mean, it can in theory if everybody who wants to say no is dead. Uh, it's just not a good way of going about doing that. I mean, it's the most effective way. You're usually the one who's all about this, Zach. You're the one who is like, when all of your enemies are dead, you win. Yes, <laughs> but that usually only specifically applies to people who are actively trying to kill you. Uh, which is also the name of Patrick Zola's autobiography. <laughs> people actively trying to kill me? No, no, when all the people you don't like are dead, you win. <laughs> we cut behind the speech where Arturo Bueno Hombre and Billy's uncle are talking. And Does like, he actually have a name? or Homer yeah. Katagiri. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't sure because we just refer to him as Billy's uncle because that's all he really is to the story. I mean, he's the leader of the A-Laws to the story. Which is not actually that important because Ribbons is the leader of the A-Laws yep. in the story, and yeah. that's the important part. Yeah, but it is important that Ribbons is not directly doing it and has a, a sock puppet he sticks his hand up in order to be like, <laughs> I think you should build a Death Star, good man. <laughs> that explains his posture, I guess. <laughs> so he's like, hey. Do we have any word on Colonel Mannequin? And Gibbons like, no, we've had more spies chasing her, but nothing yet. And then Secret Service agent comes up and is like, sir, celestial being is being celestial. 
in space. I mean, it's a little bit clunky to introduce the fact that Cadi is gone AWOL, but I don't really know how else you introduce your new uh, status quo without doing some clunky exposition, which is what that first scene kind of is. Yep. Yeah, it's the only way to set up the mystery. The only other way to do it is to show us Caddy leaving, and then that doesn't it's not as create a mystery. Yeah. Because we also don't know precisely when she left, or we kn- why right now. We think Because co- she worked for the A-holes, yes, and she but, was like... <laughs> but she didn't immediately turn around and leave. Like, did she find out the truth? Did she find out that Andre killed Sergey? Like, how much does she know about what's been going on, and is that why she left? Yeah, I presume it is because of the Death Star shenanigans, because she... Was we know, intuited the Death Star shenanigans. Uh, and also, they delivered her boyfriend right to her. So she was like, okay, I have no reason to stay. You have no leverage over me. Uh, heal, boy. <laughs> <laughs> we then cut straight into the action in space where Celestial Being is attacking Death Star 2 in one of the like fastest action scenes the series has had. And it's very good. Yep. I really like just how quickly they remove the second Memento Mori from the field because it has served its narrative purpose and for it to continue existing is really not all that interesting. Well, yeah, like presumably there was like some tactics or something, but it's not really salient, right? And it did take them four months. So much longer than the first time. Months, mostly of probably repairing their shit. I think the most important (laughs) thing that we find out from this little scene here is that uh, Maria has gone back to Soma and is very angry and generally yelling at Alleluia because he keeps calling her Marie. (laughs) I love that uh, someone's like, fire all the missiles. I'm going to go in and 1v1 them all. And Holly is like, hey, maybe don't. And Setson is like, please stop degrading her and cover her. <laughs> that would be great, actually. I absolutely love the way everybody through this like this first episode acts around Alleluia and Marie. They're like, this is awkward. Is that? They're no longer making out, and that's somehow more awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of along the lines of, dude, you need to back off. Yeah, if you've ever been between two people that clearly want to make out and aren't, it's always more awkward than two people that are just making out. (laughs) I was actually going to say one of the things that the intro also told us is that the new space president specifically called their giant death laser the Memento Mori. And everyone's like, oh, that's a totally normal name for the giant death laser the government has. The reminder of death. (laughs) That's a good thing to call it. (laughs) To be fair, in the future, Latin doesn't exist anymore. Ah, okay, it's just ribbons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we've got a shot here of Setsuna and Saji actually working as a pretty decent team here. Like, Saji's not perfectly in sync with any of this, but, like, he's present, he's helping. What I like so much about this action scene is it really reads like an old super robot. We're showing you how competent the team is sort of scene after these four months. While they were fixing the Ptolemaeus... (laughs) And they their went Gundams. What they did <laughs> is they did a lot of team building exercises. But Alleluia and Mari weren't allowed to come. I'm sorry, Soma. <laughs> Alleluia and Soma weren't allowed to come. <laughs> no, they were there. They just didn't get as much out of the working together side of things. And and Soma kind of um because Marie was present for the team building exercises, <laughs> but Soma was sulking. <laughs> So Saji says that he's going to help them as long as their objective is to destroy a Death Star, that that is okay with his morals. He's anti-Death Star, he has decided. That's fair. Which allows him to link up the Trans Am Riser enough for Setsuna to shoot the giant sword at it at a much closer range this time and just cut it in half. Pretty effective. I lo- is that just going to become part of his arsenal from now, his Shining Finger Sword? More or less. Uh, so long as they don't overdo it, I actually don't really have a problem with it if they don't treat it like uh, Kira's Kill the Grunts button. Yeah, this is only the third time we've seen him do anything remotely like that. One was cutting up the asteroid, and the other two were trying to destroy this Memento Mori. To the extent where it's like, it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to use it on a, on a regular basis, because it's so big and unwieldy. It's like, you can't what you use that against a mobile, uh, yeah. single mobile suit. But it's great for Death Stars or battleships or, you know, anything that might be built in the future. You're both put good odds on Death Star 3, so... Memento Mori 2 and Memento for Pigs. No, we already did that. Never mind. I'm we just saw that one die. Yep. Now, what's Memento Mori 3 going to be? It's The Last be... Crusade. <laughs> I was going to say the name has to be a lot more pretentious than Memento Mori. Oh. Hmm. No, you, you already made an unbearable likeness of being joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get the opening. That's about all I have to say about it. It does have a little bit too much Mr. Bushido in it, though. 
<laughs> one shot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd probably be better if Mr. Bushido, honestly, this is going to sound really weird. It might have been better if Mr. Bushido was around for more of it. And we saw his character actually growing and changing as the series was progressing. Well, but he just kind of dips in and out to make episodes worse. Yeah, yeah yep. like I said, he needs to be Louise's weird uncle who's around the entire <laughs> time. Yeah, like that would be better. But here it's just like, yes, I'm going to add this soy sauce to this ice cream. <laughs> Bushido. <you're> like, <laughs> Why are you doing this? I can think of worse ice cream toppings. But it's not good. No, no, I, <laughs> I didn't say it was good. I feel like ice cream on some rice that had a light soy sauce might be good, though. Yeah. That's like mochi, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Might be. I'm, I'm just saying I'd be willing to try it. Not I'm going to uh, create a business once, but... model around it. Uh, so we're done with the opening, and Celestial Being has destroyed the satellite weapon. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Maybe the A-Laws will now turn their, their attention to space, and they'll leave us alone. Cue a murder bot breaking in and killing all three of these men. So the cutaway from this murder bot is very artsy, and I don't dislike it, but it feels to me like it should be a propaganda film. Like, the way they do that cut, it feels like we should then cut out to some people watching, like, this is, a, like, a film or something. Well, the way it stops here and goes, you know, black and white and whatnot, I feel like there should be, like, jazz and a to-be-continued thing yeah. at the oh, bottom yeah. of the screen. You think uh, Roundabout should start playing. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Which one's roundabout? The, the JoJo thing. Yeah, the JoJo uh, credit sequence. Okay. It's also a very famous song. I've never actually seen JoJo, but I think I've seen you, You've that probably whole, heard like, that as a meme. Because I think I've seen that stinger on a couple of different series. Yeah. Meanwhile, cut to Lacus's cottage. Yeah, where the kids are like, we want food. We want food. And the girls are like, why is everybody in this series sexist? It starts so young. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then we get a shot of Klaus and Sheeran, and they're in the office. Klaus is reading a book, and Sheeran is like, I'm actually doing work. Klaus looked like he was looking in a notebook, at least. Yeah, and but not all the one other of books the... are like encyclopedias, so I don't These know. look like the books that I have on my shelf in my house, and they're all like the classics, like the Iliad and all that other crap. Yeah, they're the future classics, though, so it's like <laughs> One Piece, Twilight 5. <laughs> I was gonna say Harry Potter, but that's a little gauche and Persona Non Grata right now, so. No, no, I just realized that's just the fancy covers. For the entire collection of One Piece in the future. <laughs> Look, if I guess Berserk kind of has the fancy covers, but if they did like hardback bound manga with fancy covers, I would buy that. The only reason why I haven't is because those are like 30 bucks oh, yes. a pop. Uh, they are expensive. Uh, so Klaus and Sheeran are like, let's hang out in this cottage until the A-Laws drop trying to murder us. And Sheeran's like, I'm scared we're going to get murdered on account of all of our friends have. Uh, we lost pretty much all our mobile suits and stuff. I don't know what we're going to do. They have a moment Apparently that, get together. Yeah, they have a moment that reads as romantic. I'm not sure if it is or not. And while they're being quiet about it, suddenly Marina's song starts playing on the radio. And Sheeran asks the only possible question, why is this song on the radio? How is this song I mean, on the radio? Obviously, the reason why she's asking why is much different from the reason why <laughs> we ask why. Well, but, there's no new music in the war future, Zach, so sh this is the only new song that has been produced. Well, the, the why is... I guess more of a how, because yeah. I, well, presumably Marina didn't take it over to a uh, a record recording company booth or, and yeah. then a, rec a record company to get it on the radio. She must have, though. She must. I mean, it's the future. She could have emailed it to a record company. Um, um, I'm just imagining the radio announcer being like, and now for the refugee kids and <laughs> mm, doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they've lost some refugee kids. No, they still, I think they've only ever had six. That seems right. I think that is a different six, though. I don't, where's that one kid who's like, I think people should eat together. I, he's, he's not there. He's closest to us. He's just the most poorly drawn. Okay. Also, I I would buy that they have changed a little bit because, number one, they're kids. Number two, it's been four months. Four so... months on the run. Much like a band. <laughs> so we cut away from them to the Ptolemaeus where Saji is watching... Soma be very angry at him. Well, not at him. She's just generally being angry and Saji is staring. And he's like, ooh, I should not stare and think of Luis while you are floating here. And all Luis is like, hey, Mary, what did I do? And he's like, called me Mary like I keep telling you not to for four months, you dick. She flies right at Locke and just better get out of the way. I feel like the conversation that happened right <laughs> after that is, dude, hallelujah, we keep telling you. <laughs> So do you think she's actually had a mental break again, or do you think she's just adopted this persona to a I don't think she's had a Sergei. mental break. I think it's more akin to uh, 
Alleluia, Hallelujah, and Soma is taking control again. Well, and that's what I'm wondering is like, do we think they're actually distinct personalities? Because they've never really presented as such. I really wish we got more info on what the clash between them is. The way I read it and always have is that Soma and Mari are just way more on the same page than Alleluia and Hallelujah. And Soma left that life and has agreed to be Mari. But Mari did a handoff because the colonel needs to be avenged and Soma is the person to do that. That's fair. That makes a lot of sense to me, too, because especially when we get, like, her inner monologue here, it sounds much more like Mari's voice than Soma's voice when she's, you know, mourning the colonel in her head. The other way I could read it is that she just never was as dissociated as Hallelujah and Hallelujah. I don't think there was that the sheer level of break there as... Between Hallelujah and Hallelujah, she seems a lot more put together than he ever was. She just didn't have her memories, so when she got them again, there was not the distinction, really. Yeah. And so and Maria were like, like Jeremy said, they're on the same page, like, all right, you want to retire from fighting? Okay. <laughs> but not fully retire, just mostly retire, like still have a mobile suit out in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Take it for rides on weekends. A bit like uh, Kira and his freedom. Soma then flashes back to the colonel's death and Hallelujah having to drag her away from Andre. It's not literally that. She's more just too stunned staring at him to do anything yet. And asking, like, how could you throw away something that I could never have? It was yogurt because I'm lactose intolerant. How could you kill your own dad, Andre? I know that's your jinx, presumably because you have, like, call signs and stuff on it that we didn't animate. (laughs) (laughs) Here is apparently where she started going back by Soma and Murray, presumably, like, Went underground because as soon as Alleluia contacts her and is like, Murray, are you okay? She's like, no, my name is Soma. <laughs> so Soma's like, how could you throw away something I could never have no matter how badly I wanted it? I mean, the colonel totally would have given it to me, but I was way too emo to take it. And I could not get over my own emo, <laughs> even if I became Mari. Well, she was going to. And then she was like, I'm going to go away with my boyfriend. No, she wasn't going to, though. Remember, she had decided that she was a worthless murderer after the automatons, and she changed her mind. Yeah, but she (laughs) was going to. Then the automatons (laughs) happened, and then she ran away with her boyfriend. And then the murder nation attacked. (laughs) So we we get back to the ready room, where it's Saji, Alleluia, and Lock-On. And Saji, again, just looks like he's... No matter where he goes on the ship, he's always in an awkward conversation between two other people. I I love the look on his face. (laughs) Well, I feel like this is one of those things where he's been around these people for long enough now that he actually feels like some sort of connection to them. And clearly, Alleluia is really broken up about this. And I feel like Saji, Saji's been there, right? Like, Saji knows what he's going through. So he's kind of hanging around for moral support here. But at the same time, like, Saji's also kind of an outsider. So he's kind of on the side of, like, I'm not sure what to say on here. It's actually, uh, Saji and Haro had the room booked to play some video games. And, Although uh, I absolutely love the fact that because this is zero-G, his suits, arms, Like giant inflatable like, wiggle man? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Even way- though Alleluia's helmet is sitting next to him. And so is Saji's, for that matter. The way I read Saji throughout this entire episode is he just keeps staring at Soma and thinking about her because, like, oh, this is what Luis must be like. Because Soma is clearly, like obsessed with revenge now which he is intuited is also louise's reading reason for fighting and now he just sees louise and soma i mean that makes a lot of sense to me as well it's just in this particular scene since soma is not currently present it's just but she is being talked about yes because i was like i promised the colonel i wouldn't let her fright and lock on's like hey maybe let her be like her own person for a bit if you want to be with her you're gonna have to let her figure herself out yeah lock on just says give her some time on her own and then Alleluia comes back with, but I don't want to risk yourself. And he's like, dude, she's it's an not adult. really your choice to make. And yeah. it's not your choice. So let her do it. So anyway, lock on is like based lock on out. And then just he's like, I feel like this is what my brother would do. Did I do an advice right? <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go have sex with my cool new girlfriend. <laughs> he kind of actually did give yep. Alleluia really good advice. Yeah, which he has done pretty frequently, but not to the same degree that all lock on did, presumably because he's the newcomer. And he doesn't feel comfortable being dad, even though that's the role that Setsuna went and recruited him for. <laughs> Excuse me, we need a new dad. Can you also be a spy? Oh, no, it's Spy X family. <laughs> Here's where Saji basically says what you were talking about, Jeremy, where he was seeing Soma as Louise or feeling that they were very similar. Cut the shirtless Setsuna in the medical tube. His, his face <laughs> just sitting there staring up at the ceiling. He's just got resting bitch face, which well, has been true the entire time. But He looks more like, he's like, okay, I'm bored. <laughs> they wouldn't let me bring my phone. They wouldn't let me r- bring my Gundam. 
And then there's like, well, we're seeing more regeneration defects around his shoulder, but they're not accelerating like they are, did with Lasse. It's kind of weird. They're moving really slowly. Is this the first time we get an explicit mention of Lasse's condition? It might be the first explicit one. It's been hinted at multiple times. Like Sumeragi was like, hey, we need to talk about this. And Ian was also like, hey, I'd ask uh, Lasse to pilot the O-Riser, but you know. Yeah, I, don't, I think this is the closest we've gotten so far to an explicit acknowledgement of what's wrong with Lasse. Also, I think it's also the first time we've gotten a mention that the pseudo-GN particles actively cause damage, like continue to cause damage. Yeah, that they deteriorate. And it's been hinted at with Louise a couple times because she's taking clone pills. And she has those, like, attacks. Yeah. So, which I think is more than enough information to intuit. But yeah, it's the first time it's, like, said. But the, the only problem with... Louise specifically is that yes that she shares that but I always kind of figured that that was specifically for her hand I figured it was for the the attachment of her hand and whatever ribbons was doing with the whole innovator thing because we've seen her eyes glow a few times because she has the seizures I always assumed that that was a physical problem that was related to the arm but I didn't think she was taking arm pills I thought they were like um anti-rejection meds yeah like, Which is arm pills. Yeah, so basically I thought they were arm pills. So, and there's like, something must be working to suppress the damage. And TR is like, man, I wish I could check out Veda. It's, if I could just Wikipedia search for a little bit, I'm sure I could diagnose Setsuna and we'd be fine. <laughs> well, it actually makes some amount of sense because Veda is a supercomputer and presumably might have information on previous failures, which might contain information as to like potential damage it could do and what could be done to fix it. Yeah, it might have the clone pill recipe. No, it totally makes sense. I just like noting that Tiaria's concern now is Setsuna, and he's like, oh man, I wish I could check Veda for my friend, not just because it's my girlfriend. I actually really like Tiaria through the through the second season a lot more than the first season. He did a lot of growing up. Yeah. yeah that's because he went bowling, and he's like, oh, this is what humans do. They and, throw balls. And then he had four years to think about it. And then he developed a giant ball cannon as a result. <laughs> yes, bowling battle. Uh, he must have done some billiards, too. <laughs> so Setson is like, man, this is a scheme by Ali al Sacha. No, the innovators who want to get their hands on my cool Gundam. They can't have it. It's mine. It makes it make more sense as to why Ribbons let him effectively let him go. But then a weird sen- or a weird twist of intuition for Setsuna. He assumes that means that the innovators don't have information on the uh, twin drive. Well, if they're going through all these, like, additional hoops in order to get their hands on the double O, like, that actually makes a lot of sense that they don't have information on it. Also, if you take into account the fact that they don't have Trans Am, <laughs> it makes it make a lot more sense. Yeah, the innovators are so much better than humans, why don't they just build their own? Twin drive? Yeah. They don't know how. Well, yeah, but they constantly claim they're better than humans, because <laughs> they just invent it. Yes, but they claim they're better than humans, that doesn't necessarily mean they are and they don't know how it works they're not better than a guy who's been dead for 200 years yeah exactly (laughs) the guy who's been dead for 200 years who designed them (laughs) he just put one specific problem in there cannot figure out the twin drive speaking of uh, no one because no one we've been i guess speaking of ribbons we cut to chun li going up to him and being like hey the flash poor month sucked you suck ribbons (laughs) i want more death more murders She's actually kind of complaining about the murders. She's like, all you've done lately is murders. What are you going to do next? And he's like, there's no need for humans to know. Chun-Li is like, weren't you going to turn all humans into innovators? And Ribbons is like, no. Well, I must kill all humans to make way for the future. And she's like, well, that's uh, not ominous or anything. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, I think he specifically kind of calls her out as somebody who he doesn't want to keep around. Yeah, he does insult her to her face. Ribbon's favorite thing to do. And maybe not the best plan to someone who is not totally loyal to you. And is also your main source of spy info. Well, also, it's not a good idea to insult somebody who is loyal to you to their face either. Because (laughs) that could turn them against you. They might give someone some secret coordinates, maybe. Secret coordinates, (laughs) blueprints... Ribbons, uh, you know, humans' values are too limited. We have to consider things from a broader perspective, like murdering more people. Yeah, broader. Statistics. That's what I'm looking for. So Lume is like, okay, bye. And he's like, oh, before you go, you can never become an innovator. And she's like, what did you say, bitch? And he's like, it's sad, but true. 
Anyway, goodbye forever. <laughs> and so Regina's Which makes you wonder what exactly the, pro- the potential process for create for innovators are. Like these ones seem to be clones, but he's implying that you could make other people innovators. Yeah, clone pills. <laughs> because that's how Luis's eyes are changing. Yeah, just drugs. Lots of copious uh, amounts of drugs. Yes. Oh, it's like so. It's just the super soldier serum. Yeah. Yeah, that's why she's called Soma. She uh. is the perfect drug. So Regina comes down and is like, hey, was that like smart? And Ruben's like, she's useless to me. You can watch her if you want. And Regina's like, not a chance. He's like, so what have you been hanging out with her the last four months for, huh? And Regina's and Regina like, I'm literally no getting poker information. <laughs> she's a spy. I was pumping her for info. And Ruben's like, okay, that what you call it these days, kids? Cut to not Ala's aircraft carrier because it's in space. It's now just Ala's battleship. And And Luis is like, wow, Andre Senpai, that was great. (laughs) You got promoted to first lieutenant for killing your dad. Not that I know about that yet. Yeah, for some reason, the way she's drawn here is just really funny to me. Well, it's always kind of funny when they they put the two of them together like this because of how much shorter she is than him. Yeah, she needs a box if they're going to be romantic leads in a movie. (laughs) And Andre's like, yeah, seems they confirmed that I shot down the leader of the coup d'etat. So, I got promoted to lieutenant. Man, that's a heck of a lot better than telling him, oh yeah, you shot down the guy we literally sent in to talk to them. To be fair, I don't think he knows that. I don't think anyone ever gave him that information. I don't think anybody else did either. I think only the the commander who specifically sent Sergei and maybe the upper, the leader of the A-Laws there, Billy's uncle, knows that information. Yeah. Well, and Sergei was trying to tell him, but then he died. Sergei wasn't trying to tell him. He specifically said, it's not what you think, and was about to say it, but he was too busy defending himself. And he did ca- kill the actual ringleader as well, so... He did get promoted for what they said he did. He just also killed his dad as also, a bonus. They're, actually, they're being a little bit vague as to which one they're talking about there. That's true. I Bone assume it's Hercury. Patricide. And Andre's like, hey, I like it when you congratulate me. If I can just go a few seconds without saying anything sexist, maybe I got a chance. I've been working with the propinquity for four months. I got a promotion. Everything's coming up on. And then two wild innovators appear to start some uh, juicy goss and create drama because they're not on their reality show right now. But the instincts are just inbred into them. And they're like, wow, a promotion for killing your own dad. Specifically, it's Hilling that's that's speaking because she's the highest all, level drama bitch. Because that's all Hilling is interested in. But uh, Revive is like being drama wingman for Hilling, which is odd. I, I feel like it's not so much drama wingman so much as it is. I just happen to be around Hilling and I have to drag her places because otherwise she will get lost. <laughs> Hilling is a chaos gremlin. Yes. So Lucy's like, "Did you really kill your own father, Lieutenant?" And he's like, "I had to." He was a rebel. He was a rebel sympathizer. Although I think, given his flashbacks, this is clearly Andre trying to justify it to himself four months later. Well, and the fact that he says, all I did was perform my duty as a soldier. Yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely trying to justify it to himself. Anyway, Luis will remember this. <laughs> and Andre's like, but I had to do it for peace, for all the people who want to end war. You're also going to have to kill people you love, Luis, if you want true peace. I thought it was an act of kindness to be the one who took him out of this world. I don't think you actually think that. No, Andre, I yeah. you are definitely trying to convince yourself of that. And Luis is like, I could never. And so Andre goes, oh, but you could take the life of a stranger. And while I give this relationship a lot of shit, it is at its best when Andre is questioning Luis's core motives, like here, or when she said, hey, I discarded my past. And he's like, your past is everything to you, though, actually. Yeah, Specifically, he says, so you can kill soldier or strangers, but not blood relatives. And I was immediately like, yeah, that's how most people work. <laughs> it is, yes. That's why so much effort is put into propaganda to dehumanize the other side. Uh, so Hilling is like, man, a guy who killed his father and a woman who wants revenge for hers. You are perfect for each other. Hilling out. <laughs> it kind of does that, too. <laughs> and the Veronica goes, well, if she's important to you, protect her. Which is, again, is just being a drama wing, man. Like, maybe I'm going to try being a drama-y bitch. Hilling seems to like it. Maybe it's fun. <laughs> she seems to have fun. So Louise BSODs. And so Andre gives her a hug. Says, we're fighting for the sake of our ideals. If these are your ideals, I'm not sure they're worth fighting for. Just saying. I get why they established the A-Laws as completely reprehensible bad guys, but I really think the series would have been served by giving the A-Laws pitch, because clearly Andre and Louise both believe in their ideals to some extent. Even if Luis is more here for the revenge on Gundam's thing, she clearly thinks these are the right people to do it with, and 
Andre is not a bad person. Like, he's the best person in the ALS, right? Uh, now that Cotty is MIA. And he's <laughs> currently running around saying that, yes, genocide is okay so long as we get what we want in the end. And I'm the one saying that's not okay. So you know it's not okay. Yeah, well, I don't think that's Andre's position either, though, necessarily. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what is. The thing is, he keeps saying stuff like, whatever it takes to achieve our ideals, it's going to be fine. That's true. Which I think is kind of a way for him to justify facing the man in the mirror. But at the same time, like, is this the line the A-laws have been feeding people? Like, what are they saying? Like you said, we needed their pitch. What are they saying that gets people like Cotty and Andre? I don't necessarily think Cotty was ever fully on board with yeah. the A-Laws. But why, like, what is the pitch they gave Andre to get him on board? Yeah. You can murder your dad. Because the only <laughs> other, like, named characters that aren't completely reprehensible, at least initially, that are attached to the A-Laws are Billy, who we know why he's here. Mr. Bushido, who's just <laughs> fucking awful. And he has license anyway. And we kind of so. know why he's here. And he also, he's like, I don't do genocides, and leaves whenever they do a genocide. <laughs> yes, and then there's <laughs> Louise, who we know why she's here. And, and Cotty was here, because keep your friends close, and your enemies closer, and your boyfriend way over there, so no one can use him against you. <laughs> <laughs> because he's such a himbo, he would be really easy to do so with. But um, I honestly think that the pitch is they are clearly the new dominant military power. So if you want to be a soldier, the A-Laws are the group to join. But like he could do it like this is our duty. This is for the paycheck thing. But Andre keeps saying this is for our ideals. You'll have to kill someone close to you, too. So like he has you'll have to do a murder in cold blood. So it, it feels more like the A-Laws for the early part of this are the SS to the regular army of the regular army. They're the maniacs, the guys who have drank the Kool-Aid, the you guys are fully on board with this. And Andre and Cotty. And Andre and Cotty. <laughs> and Mr. Like, Bushido, who drank different Kool-Aid and was like, I'll be cool, part of your cool Kool-Aid club. Because he didn't drink Kool-Aid, <laughs> he drank sake. Um, but, like, Jeremy's right. We never have gotten their elevator pitch. Like, why is Andre here? Is it just because he wants to stick it to his dad who is in the regular army? Maybe. But if that's the case, then why does he keep chanting about the ideals and the like? And, and maybe that's also to justify it to himself. You, you just I mean, I going, do think a little bit of it, him constantly saying, we have to do this for the sake of our deals, for peace, for peace, for peace. It doesn't matter how many people I have to kill, I won't lose a wink of sleep so long as it's for peace. Uh, how many people has Andre really killed, though, too? <laughs> Both of which he knew. We don't know how many, we, we don't know how many other- Like random Catheron people. Catheron people, how many times he participated in the in the uh, actions previous to him showing the up here. bots. Yeah, we don't know if he's ever been on the side of deploy the murder bots and have fun. We've never seen him as such, but yes, we don't know. You are correct. So Andre hugs Louise, and she's like, oh man, am I going to be able to do a murder to Saji? Louise is still crashed, yes. by the way. Like, Louise is still 404, Louise not found. Um, she more is retreated into our own little world, I think. Like, she's not broken, she's just not interfacing with the world. Hey, speaking of Saji, cut to him doing a determined eye-opening. With the ring, like, floating in space next to him. And deciding, hey, I am going to fight. It wasn't just one time. I have to fight to get Luis back. Well, Setsuna was right. I specifically remember Setsuna's words to that effect, uh, which I think those are also the words he punched Setsuna <laughs> for, right? They are, because of what he's, of how it was phrased to him initially. So I actually really like the fact that he's calling back to it here and saying, I, not Damn necessarily, it, I need right. to owe him a, I don't know, bleh. not necessarily that I owe him an apology, but he was right. Yeah, I really like the way Gundam 00 uses time skips vis-a-vis -vis character development. Because like we talked about earlier with Tiaria, clearly all the seeds of, hey, you're being a dick were planted in the first season. And even if you realize that, that's not something you can change right away. But he then has four years to work on himself. And here Saji's who's been slowly being worked towards, hey, you need to fight, has a four-month gap before he's like, okay, yeah, that's right. Well, because and in the before this gap, we saw Saji edging towards this because first it was, I hate you. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Get some people killed. Then later on, it's OK, I'll help you fix the fix up the, the ship. Then it was, I'll help you man the guns. Then it was, OK, I'll literally fly this machine out to help uh, Setsuna. And now it's all OK. I'll actually fight. Then we don't get an eye catch. Hey, hello. Hi, also. You're listening to the mid-spot for this episode of It's a Gundam, where we're watching Lock-On Confesses Love to a New Returner. 
I don't think I have a whole lot to say this week. Hey, if uh, you're interested, there's a new What's a Gundam up over on the Patreon. What else do I want to plug? Hey, I wrote a very amateur essay on Tunic, and then also I recorded and put music to it, so it sounds a lot fancier than it is. So, if you want to catch that, that's over in our last time stream. And since I'm plugging our other podcasts, over in the Jumpstart stream, they just started reading D. Gray Man. So, you know, you could go check that out. I don't know, that's what I got. Semi-serious question, though. Would you drink a banana-flavored soda? This is a question I'm pondering. Okay, bye. Let's get back to the episode. But, of course, he's acknowledging it. Like, this is going to be my battle to get Louise back. And, I mean, that is kind of what Tetsuno was trying to say anyway. I'm just like, okay, all you need to do is focus on getting your girlfriend back. Really, I'll do the rest. Really what it was is Saji learned how Setsuna speaks in the last four months and figured <laughs> out what he was trying to say. I am no, actually, that would make a lot of sense to me, is that he realizes that Setsuna is really bad at interpersonal relationships, and he, like he was actually trying to be helpful. So we cut to the bridge where Felt's like, hey, we got attacked 20 times during that time skip by the A-Laws. And Lasse is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they know where we are at all times. It sucks. You, you, you forgot about Milena pouting. After yeah. things keep getting worse. And then she says it again after he, after Lasse says, I think they might know where we are. It is good comic relief. And so we cut to the adults in the room. Tiaria, Tactical Mom, and Setsuna. And Jeez, he's tall. <laughs> That's because I, he is Gundam. Well, I didn't realize that previously because in the first season he was so much shorter than Sumeragi. And now he's like a head taller than her. And Tiaria's like, Sumeragi Lee Noriega. I think we should do that secret plan I came up with. And they're like, secret plan? And they're like, yeah, we want to go find Veda and take it back so maybe we can get rid of their information control. And so Lasse points out, we don't know where it is. And so Setsuna's like, yeah, so we're going to kidnap an innovator. I love his blunt approach to problem solving. We don't know where it is. Okay, so let's just go kidnap somebody who does. Well, well, Awesome move, Setsuna. I love it. Not kidnap, recruit, just like he did with Lyle. (laughs) (laughs) But they're going to kidnap. Recruit at gunpoint is how most people in Celestial Being were recruited. (laughs) Yes, but it wasn't usually at Celestial Being's gun's point. Cut to sex. I think this is actually after sex. You're correct. They're both fully clothed. Okay. They could just be cuddling. They could just not know how this works. Or that. They're fully clothed, which I find very awkward, but mostly because I... I find this shot super, super awkward, and I wonder if it's just me. Anu is under the covers, kind of lower than Lyle, and there's like she looks like she's poking, poking her head out like a gopher. Like It looks to me like this is some video game sprites that people have edited together to make it look like they're having sex, rather than intentionally drawn. Is it just me who thinks Anu's like, position here is super weird? I assume it's so her breasts would be under the covers, but they're both wearing shirts, because that's what they're into, I guess. Um, I just assume that she could... So it's that she could be laying in his arm nook. Okay, uh, for spooning? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel more like that, too. It just looks really weird to me. Uh, I think it's mostly because of her second hand there. Like, most of it feels normal to me, but then she's got, like, her right hand is just kind of, like, awkwardly poking out of the sheet. I mean, where are you going to put it, though? I know. It just seemed like that's the most awkward thing out of that to me. There's an old XKCD about this problem specifically, and he suggests a mattress with holes in it so that you can put your <laughs> off hand through it. And then he's like, you know what? While they're there, you might as well have Rock'em Sock'em robots under the bed. So Anu's like, hey, you want to tell me about your brother, Lockgod? And he's like, no, explicitly not. He was really talented and a jerk about it. So much that I moved out. Honestly, this is the only part of the four-month time skip I don't really like. Yeah, I knew this is what you were talking about earlier. I just decided to ignore it. It's fine, but the first time I watched the series, I remember them having this, like, really cool spy versus spy, like, a hot tension that resulted in them having sex. And that's not what the show depicts at all. And I like the fanfic I wrote, apparently, while I was watching it the first time a lot more than the relationship we get. Well, because it just kind of seems like, okay, we we need to put in a relationship here. I feel like they were setting it up already. This was always the goal. It's just one of the things I've been complaining about is Lyle gets the short end of the screen time stick a lot of the time. And so they're like, oh, we need to be here now. And a four month time skip is a perfectly acceptable time for two people clearly attracted to each other to start having sex. No, it's perfectly reasonable. The problem is the setup was just this. There were a couple of lines where they shared screen time with each other, but then they jumped to this and I'm supposed to care. Well, and Lyle was like, you're hot, so I'll tell you my real name. I think the supposed to care actually comes at the end of this episode, but we'll get to it when we get to it. 
So Anu points out, hey, you became a Gundam Meister like your brother. Even took his name. And he's like, yeah, our motives were different. And Anu's like, you want to tell us in the audience what your motives are? <laughs> and he's like, speaking of families, what about yours, Anu? And she's <laughs> like, like, I'm I sorry, don't that gave re- me a family migraine. <laughs> I, I don't remember mine, but it did bring on a headache. <laughs> she more gives a look of like, God, I don't want to talk about that. That looks almost like she's been abused, which kind of. Have you hung out with healing? <laughs> yeah, like I said, kind of. I don't think she actually, I think she legitimately does not remember them right now. Yeah, yeah, I do not know what a news deal is vis-a-vis knowing she is an innovator. Is she a sleeper agent, like in a Manchurian candidate way? Like, it seems like if she was actively working against them, she would not have been surprised or bring up the fact that they always know where they are, and she would have been telling Ribbons about Setsuna's condition, which he does not seem to know about. I read it very much so that they are, that she is the sleeper agent Manchurian candidate style. Yeah, well, especially... she does not know. One of the scenes we get in, I I think, a couple episodes, I think that that bears... Yes. I I agree. (laughs) So Lock-On hugs her. And is like, hey, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. It just matters that you're here right now. You are here, right? You're not being hacked. Why does he have a spreadsheet on his wall? Their excuse was like, yeah, we have to go over some data. And so they like put it on while uh, like Sumeraki was still there. And then as soon as she left, they didn't turn it off. They were all over each other. So Lyle goes to make out with a new, but her eyes start going all innovatory. And we cut to Soma having a new type flash and Setsuna getting a headache as this happens. And Lyle's like, hey, Anu, Anu, wake up. Don't space out when we're making out. It's weird. <laughs> That's a pretty big hit to the, uh, the the manly confidence here. And we see uh, Lyle sort of look off to the side as if he knows what's going on. Or at least is suspicious that something is going on. Yeah. Cut to Revive, who's like, enemy ship located. And Hilling, being a drama bitch, is like, That's like our Revive, our perfect little bloodhound dog. It was a compliment, lol. Hilling has switched to a Gazaro because somebody had to, and she drew the short straw. <laughs> Can I just point out how much I love Chumley's dumb spacesuit? This is not the first time we've the seen it. The fact that it's got, like, the ribbon <laughs> yeah, on the it's back so of it to dumb. emulate her twin tails from when she was a child. <laughs> so Chumley's in a space tube in a spacesuit. Regina, not in a spacesuit, gives her a sticky note. It's more like a flashcard. And Chumley's like, this is the best sticky note I've ever got. Brother, we're going to the Ptolemaios. Cut to back to Ala's ship that I wish had a name. Should we name this ship? We could do it. We have the power. That's fair. Um, the Darth Helmet. <laughs> uh, now I was going to call it the Ludicrous Speed. Ah, same reference. Where Goodman has get, been told they found Celestial Being. And he's like, good job, innovator people. Send all our mobile suits out. And ask the, uh, the two license holders for assistance because I can't give them orders anyway. They're already there, so I assume they'll help. Andre is excited. He gets the pilot in ahead. He feels like a real main character now. Now that the ahead is old tech that's useless. It's not useless, but it's not on. It's not at the top of the line anymore because only the uh, only the innovators get the top of the line shit. I do want to point out. So we get this like uh, sequence of everyone on the not celestial bean side getting ready to launch. This is some like rad ass tech prep music with like a good driving bass beat. I don't know. I really like this song that's playing. Uh, Luis also says the Holovy unit is taking off, which implies to me she has been promoted to some sort of wing commander role. Yeah, I mean, that would make a certain amount of sense, but shes I don't think we get an, an announcement that she's still anything other than a warrant officer. No, but you don't need a promotion to be in, put in charge of a squad. On the other hand, maybe she's her own unit now because everyone else died. <laughs> Yeah, because she, she could just be referring to herself. Her machine? It just seems weird to refer to It does it. seem weird to refer to yourself as that particular <laughs> nomenclature. Yeah, it's it seems more like she's in charge of something, but that doesn't really bear fruit in the rest of this episode. So so we cut to our favorite character named Mr. Bushido in this series. Mr. Bushido hanging out with Billy, who's like, I had your mobile suit stand upside down like Batman. It's even better for you now. <laughs> well, that's how all of their hangers work, is all their machines are upside down in this series. And Mr. Bushido's like, I will do what must be done. Stand on an asteroid and judge them. <laughs> <laughs> cut to the bridge buddies on the Ptolemaeus getting ready to fight. And Milena's like, we got problems, people. Do what you do. And felt like, that is too casual, Milena. And Tiara kind of smirks at it. I, we- <laughs> I really like this little thing here where as they're going along, he turns back to Setsuna and is like, hey, buddy, how's your shoulder doing? You okay? And he's like, I'll live. We see a new leaving Lockon's room and Lockon goes to tell her something, but he's like, eh, never mind. It's not important. 
We then cut to Soma walking outside to see Alleluia just waiting for her. That's not creepy. So apparently they are no longer <laughs> sleeping in the same room. Soma definitely got the room and kicked him out. <laughs> <laughs> He's bunking in the uh, in the pilot's ready lounge on the couch. <laughs> That's a good question. How many quarters does the Ptolemaeus have? I assume more than they have people. I actually do too. And so but it's funnier to think of him to having to sleep on a couch, isn't it? Yes. So Alu's like, you're heading out? And she's like, yeah, obviously. Duh. And so he's like, okay, I will accept that. It really seems here, at least, that he's trying to take what Lock-On told yeah, him. Yeah, I was going to say, Lock-On gave me good advice. I should not. Especially when they launch and he specifically calls her Soma. He immediately regresses, but he's trying. In the next episode, he immediately regresses. Because like, he thinks of her as Marie in his head, but he calls her Soma when they launch. Yeah. So Felt's like, yeah, there are at least 12 mobile suits we detect. Probably more and be more. There's at and least there's two innovators. Picks. So I guess Operation Let's Kidnap One of Them can go. And Saji stands out in front of Setsuna and is like, hey, I want to fly with you. Well, it's- first, Setsuna has to full name him. And Saji's like, yeah, I noticed uh, Luis's machine is out there. So I'm going to fight with you, I guess. We- we've been running away and now we're going to stand and fight. So uh, I'm going to fight with you. You need someone to drive the riser for some reason. And Saji goes, are you going to shoot Luis down? And Setsuna's like, hey, that's all to you. Destruction isn't the only thing a battle can cause. Things can be created. At least that's what I believe my Gundam can do. I'm changing dogma, but not religion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rest is up to you, though. And Saji's like, I can't pull a trigger. And Setsuna's like, yeah, I know. That's fine. I- I'm not asking you to. All I can do is keep calling out to Louise. You know, I don't know that we've ever actually seen Setsuna like, express that he believes that the Gundams are exclusively destroyers. No, but he said before, like, I'll cut out the twistedness in the world, I'll destroy. And his recent thing has been like, hey, I have to change. I don't know that that was explicitly his philosophy, but he he thought he was a killer because that's what he's been ever since he was a kid. It's just not something he's ever explicitly stated. It's just something he's intrinsically believed until yeah. recently. So Setsuna reaches out his hand for a handshake. He's like, hey, let's go to where Luis is. I love how his thing is just, let's go see Luis Halaby. And Saji <laughs> is just like, you are the weirdest dude I know, and I've hung around with Alleluia. So we get the long launch sequence, because this is a slow episode building up to a big battle. Okay, so you're talking about Milena uh, always treating Tyria different. Yeah. I, it just occurred to me that she always refers to him as Mr. Erd, yeah. and no one else gets that. Look, you don't notice it at all unless you're looking for it, and yep. then suddenly it's there. It's actually really good. Like, even before, when like Milena makes the joke, like Tyria kind of cracks a smile at it. So yeah. Alleluia asks Soma if she's ready, and he, she's like, anytime, just do it. And he's like, all right, Alleluia and Soma, we're going to do a thing. Well, he he mentioned, he talks to himself and he says, I'll protect Marie. And then he says, okay, we're leaving with, uh, the, the two of us are leaving. Well, he's protecting Marie, Soma. but launching with Soma. Yeah. So <laughs> Then we cut to Lockout. See, this is, I think, the scene where they try to get away with it and get you invested in the relationship is right here. I, I do, too. I mean, I will admit, I got a laugh out of this scene, but my fa- well, I got a laugh out of it for maybe a different reason. I got a laugh of it out of uh, Lasse's reaction. Yeah, well, I, no, it was the crew's reaction to what he yeah, says here. Everyone's is good. So, and he's like, "Hey, is something wrong?" And he goes, "I love you." And he's like, "I couldn't say it like when you're we were leaving, but now that we have an audience, I love you." And then there's and this, she like, immediately I, blushes. Everybody turns to look at her. <laughs> And I believe it's Lasse. Well, it is Lasse. He is targeted and firing. Right. It's so good. And Milena, who's apparently been playing Metal Gear Solid, is like, the flowers of love have bloomed. And, <laughs> and Sumeragi's like, oh, God, there's even more teenage sex on my ship than there was. I wish I don't we think had a Lyle is, I don't think Lyle is a teenager. Yeah, but she's one of his kids, so he's always a teenager. And then he was like, oh, God, just go. <laughs> I do love how she's just like, just go. <laughs> this is really embarrassing. Cut back into the drama with Setsuna and Saji. Well, not, not even drama, just Setsuna being like, bro, and Saji being like, bro. And then they take off together. <laughs> While some ending music plays. Is well, this isn't the ending music, this is the insert song. It's the same one that played over the flashback of Soma. You know, Gundam Seed's insert songs were always over cool action battles. This one just plays over like, oh shit, we don't really have anything going on. <laughs> in the Throw in the insert song. <laughs> you know, maybe they won't notice. So the Gundam Meisters head out to meet the A-Laws, who are also coming at them, and we get the everybody who everyone's thinking about. We get a cockpit shot of everyone. Saji's like, Louise. And then we cut to Louise being like, Saji. And we cut to Andre being like, Mother. And then Soma being like, Colonel. And of course, all Louise is like, Mari. And Lock-On is, of course, Anu. 
But then we got T-R-I-M. It was like, Veda. Veda. That sets it up. Gundam! They must have known, right? It's so dumb. That's an intentional joke, right? That has to be. I don't think it's an intentional joke. I think it's just an acknowledgement of who these people are. They had to have known, is all I'm saying. Well, that that was Setsuna's prayer right before we left. <laughs> Dear Gundam, who art here in space. <laughs> Please Our let Gundam, me s- who art me. Yeah. <laughs> Please let me save Louise Halavi. Um, let me do my bro a solid. <laughs> so then I can sit awkwardly on the couch while she cries, a p- hugs a pillow again, and she throws it at me. Amen. <laughs> I totally... This memory. <laughs> while, while we were talking about all this, I totally had an image of like Setsuna being really awkward and confused at Saji's wedding. <laughs> Oh, like, man. he's got the flight suit on, and he's standing there as one of the best men, or one of the groomsmen. He would be the best man, right, at this point. Saji doesn't have any friends. Yep. <laughs> I, well, he had friends. They all got murdered. Did, oh, he had co-workers. I feel like the guy that got murdered that got him thrown in, j- in a work jail was probably <laughs> his friend. Okay, maybe. They, they had a very friendly relationship, at least. Sumeragi's like, the most important thing to me is mission. Actually, I think Sumeragi's would be everybody. Yeah, she is mom. Yeah, my kids. Uh, that's the end of the episode, but wait, there's more. So anyway, an out-of-breath ninja is running at the cottage. They're having a good cocoa time. This actually just looks like a like a swell Christmas, not Christmas Eve dinner, but the day before Christmas Eve and the family's all there. This sort looks- of kind of like it would have come out of the uh, Kira and Lacus just enjoying themselves family time. I, I really want Kira and Lacus to have made Christmas cards for people during that time. <laughs> And Kira's just, like, mopey in every single picture. But with a Santa hat on that Lacus put there? Yep. She embroidered him like a little birdie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, she's wearing a sexy Santa outfit, and he's in a green elf costume, obviously. (laughs) So, dude bursts in his door and is like, Klaus, you gotta run for it while I stand in this door and get shot. (laughs) I was a good main take to the end. It's Kenny, Zach, not Kevin. He does get a name as he dies. Was it actually Kenny? Yes. (laughs) As he dies, he gets a name. Oh, my God. They had to have known that. Oh, my God. You killed Kenny. It didn't occur to me. God damn it. That's why when I called him Kevin, because it was like, there's no way it was Kenny. Different culture, so I can believe it was uh, a coincidence. So Klaus is like, get the children and get out. And so one of the kids just grabs the gat they have sitting. (laughs) Or is is it Kenny's gat? I was thinking about that. I think it was Kenny's gun. Okay. Like, we don't actually see him carrying one, but that's because we don't see his hands until after he, or I guess we see one of his hands as he pushes open the door, but we don't see his other hand. Kenny's got a gun, everybody run. Yeah, no, and now Joseph's got a gun. Marina's like, no, don't do it. And Sepiato jumps in front of him and everybody's like, oh no, Marina. As these you, two guys. They, she's really, everybody <laughs> in this house is bad at, don't stand in front of a fucking open door. She's at least jumping in front of a kid who is standing in front she of She could have tackled door. said child. She's not a It ta- would not have been too difficult. It's she, a small child. She's not a tactical pop star. That, I guess that's true. She is not a tactical pop star. The episode ends on a gunshot, though we don't see who fires. And that's the real end of the episode. This oh, so, wait, there's more. I lied, like, there is more. There is Chen Li being like, seeing the sticky note, and it says, please give this sticky note to Celestial Being. Do not email it to them. And she's like, this is the location of Veda in longitude and latitude. That's useless in space. Anyway, back to praising this episode. Like I said, I really like the way they use this episode to establish or reestablish the status quo. And they remove the second memento mori from the table immediately. It is taken care of with such quickness like it's only like two three minutes of the beginning of the episode and, and it's, it's a pretty good table. action scene right <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, while it's happening because it's not the fact that it exists like it was a dramatic reveal in the previous episode at this point in the story it's not really relevant to being in the story so it was removed quickly and it was more or less used to establish the fact that so- uh soma slash marie has backslid into her soma personality yeah, like I've said, Gundam 00 uses its time skips really, really well, and that really applies to this episode. There's not a lot of mystery in the time skip. The only thing we really have is, what up with Cotty? Everything else is basically just logistical stuff or character progression that would have needed time that feels more natural because we have that time. I am assuming that it's also Colossar, but no one mentions him. I think Colossar <laughs> still with Cotty. Well, that would be wild if... Uh, he would have to be with Cotty or Andre, right? He would have to be up there being like, where's the colonel? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Or I, he's the secret agent they're sending after Cotty to lure her out. I totally just had an image of him being like, the colonel's missing, what do I do? And then joining up with Mr. Bushido. <laughs> we will be double shars. <laughs> yeah, I think the episode's really good. Anything else you guys want to say about it? No, I, I, it's I, rad as hell, I think. It is, yeah. And one, it does a really good job giving a bunch of different characters pretty equal screen time. Like, I was already trying to, like, pre-plan who I'm going to give MVP to, and I, it's going to be a really hard choice, I think, because, it, like, a lot of going to be tough. A lot of people do a, quite a bit of, like, lifting in this episode. Well, you have a little time to think, Tyler, because first you have to give your high point. That is true. Um, I think my high point is actually going to be this scene where Lock-On confesses his love for Anu and just the Bridges reaction. It's really good to cut the tension a little bit because it's been pretty heavy this episode. Yeah, it's really good. And like I said, uh, while I will agree that the, with the time skip they cheated on that relationship, it should have had more setup. I think that is the moment that they tried to get you invested in. And that is what they're trying to pay off with in the next couple episodes. It's just it's one of those things that it's like a wooden duck at a range, right? It pops up. And it's like, hey, relationship, and then immediately pops right back down. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I, honestly. I've got relationship whiplash. Yeah, because spoilers, because we watch all three of these immediately. Like, I know what happens in the next couple. I honestly don't even know that I need to be particularly invested in it for the next couple episodes to work. Like, they're horny for each other. That works for me. That's fine. We'll get to it more in the next couple episodes. What's yep. your high point, Zach? I was thinking a lot about that. And I think my high point is going to be... Saji, Lock-On, and Alleluia in the ready room after Soma storms out, and ba- Lock-On basically being like, dude, do you not know girls? <laughs> like, and holy shit, I've, we've been putting up with your whole, I have to protect her this entire time, and just fucking stop. I think I'm going to give it to that action scene at the start. It's really fast, the music with it is really good. There's lots of emotional scenes I could give it to, but you took took two of the better ones, I think. So I'm going to go with that fight scene, because it's really cool. Like you said, it's two minutes. That includes the speech that is most of it. The fight yep. is very brief. Tyler, do you have a low point? I was actually going to say I actually have two runner-up high points, and that's the the anti-celestial being forces prepping, I think, is a really good scene, especially with the music they play behind it. The launch sequence or the like locker room scene? I think the launch sequence. Okay. The locker room sequence is all right. Um, I didn't I didn't feel super strongly about that one way or the other. What was the other one? It's, oh, it's... Uh, when Setsuna and Tieria are walking down the hallway being buds, um, also a pretty good scene. What is my low point? I honestly think it's just how clunky the speech was establishing stakes at the beginning. And like, like Zach said, I'm not sure that there's a much better way to do it, but there is probably a better way to, do, to have done that. Zach, what's your low point? One thing about your one of your high points there. I feel like where he is now, Tiaria would not shoot Setsuna in the back for doing something <laughs> stupid. He wouldn't even threaten to. In fact, he'd be like, that was really dumb. I don't know how you made it work, but good job. Uh, they would co-not file a report together. <laughs> so I think my low point is the scene between Mr. Bushido and Billy. <laughs> like, Oh, because Mr. Bushido is on screen? Well, honestly, Pretty it's much. just kind of a useless scene because Billy's oh, like, doesn't really go do, do a murder. And he's like, I'll go do a well, murder. And he's and like, he- I'll do what I need to do. And I don't say it. I'm like. Why? Are you just trying to establish that he's here? Yeah, the scene is to establish that Mr. Bushido is here for this fight, right? Uh, Knowing what happens in the next episode doesn't need to be, but... No, I mean, he could easily have just been there without you establishing that he's there because of what that fight is. Like like you said, I know what I need to do. Stand on an asteroid and judge them. (laughs) (laughs) Tiaria's not doing it well enough, so I will have to pick up his slack. What's your low point there, Jeremy? Oh, I had one. Then I lost it. What is my low point? The speech is pretty bad. Uh, Tyler took that. Hill- also, like, I like the scenes in the cottage are all pretty good. I was going to say Hilling being a drama bitch, but I actually do like that. Yeah, no, uh, I think Oh, it's going to be that shot of Anu on top of Lockout. I guess it's just me, but every time I watch it, I'm staring at it being like, why does this look wrong? It looks computer generated to I, me. I think the reason it looks wrong, and I think you actually hit it earlier, is that it looks like two characters are drawn on top of each other, but like, the position's not super awkward so much as like her neck should be at a slightly different angle. Like, they should be at different angles compared to each other, and it looks like two different frames that were just like put on top of each other. But it, it, would, it didn't really strike me as terribly out of place. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? Oh, boy. Um, this one's really hard for me. It's um, tough. I, I am between two, I think, now, but there are plenty of others that... I think I'm between two right now as well, but I think I've got a front runner by just a hair. I, I think it's between three for me. Yeah, I just thought of a third. Um, and I actually think just because uh, she doesn't get an enough, um, I think I'm actually going to give it to Louise uh, because she's going through some shit this episode. Um, she is. And, and the locker room scene is pretty powerful. And I think it's actually like 
she is currently going through the most growth of any character on screen right now. Saji's kind of like done most of what, like he's kind of coming to an end. He's skidding to a halt well, for me. Fortunately, so. Saji has been around people who have actually grown up in well-balanced and emotionally stable adults. And yeah. Louise is around the a-holes. Exactly. This is by far the best Louise and Andre scene we've gotten so far, right? And yeah. I really wish more of the previous ones were like this. Because he's nowhere, he's not sexist at any point in this particular episode. Well, and it's also, it? they're, they're opposed to each other kind of like on an ideal level. And I think that's pretty interesting because they're like not not opposed to each other enough to like punch each other, but they have very different motives for doing what they're doing. And like there's like suddenly maybe not a romantic spark, but a spark of like their relationship can advance and then Hilling comes in to drama bomb them and yep. stop that from happening. Zach, what's your MVP? Zach, what is your drama bomb? <laughs> Zach, who's your MVP? I definitely feel like Hilling was like standing over there watching and like, okay, when can I drop this <laughs> drama bomb? I think it's lock on. Yeah, that, for, he was on my list. Being, he was know, on cool, mine too. Cool older brother to Aloy. He's not. He's not dad, but he's definitely older brother. Being like, dude, come on, man. And then the <laughs> comedic moment later on when he's like, "Hey, Anu, I love you." You know, while, while I was given that relationship coming in off screen kind of shit, I do like the way it's portrayed in this episode. He doesn't even get a Han Solo. I know. <laughs> No, she because she gets really embarrassed because everybody on the bridge starts giving her shit over it. I feel like they're giving. Lo- I, I feel like Sumeragi's giving lock on shit. Lasse is giving lock on shit. La- uh, <laughs> Sumeragi doesn't actually say anything. Uh, she says, "When did this happen?" Lasse is kind of giving lock on shit. Milena and Felt are just like congratulating her in their own way. Yeah, I think it's lock on. It's Sama. Our beautiful, perfect daughter is back, and she's a character again. <laughs> and she does so much of the dramatic lifting in this episode. I think there are a lot of good runners, though. Like, it's a very balanced episode, which is nice. It was really hard. I was kind of torn between Soma, Lakan, and Saji. Yeah, yeah, Saji was on my list. Those were the three I was torn with as well. All right, we got to put a mobile suit on our list. Question, it doesn't have to be down. Do we want to put the O-Riser on the list as its own thing? I feel like we have a lot of similar jets on here, but the O-Riser has done less than the Core Splendor. Yeah, my, my <laughs> problem is problem. it hasn't really done anything. It looks Does cool. Does it ever do anything on its own besides plug into the double O and make it more powerful? I don't think so, but I don't know. We could talk about it later i just figured this was a good time to bring up this question <laughs> that's my my biggest problem with putting it on there is because i like its design as kind of a craft but besides being a plug-in to the o-riser to the double o um it doesn't really do anything it's kind of just like a plot device i'm just imagining that old glade theme song <laughs> plug playing it every in. Time it happens. <laughs> yeah i mean you could easily replace it with like a usb drive right <laughs> The USB drive wouldn't have the bulk to fix the weird frame of the double O, but yeah, I get what you're getting at. I mean, plot-wise. Do you want to go ahead and put the Gadessa on here? I think that's yeah. the one that makes the most sense. That's I, the one with the cannon, right? Yeah, I think it's way better than the Gazaro. I agree, yeah. Yeah, I think I do too. They, they're very similar to each other, but the big cannon, I think, adds a lot to its figure as well. I also just like its color scheme more, but that's the main thing is the cannon. I like it more than the flag. I don't know if either of you will. I think I prefer the flag, honestly. I think I do very slightly. I like it more than the Jinx, which we have below the flag. I think I also like it more than the Jinx. A final question, is it better or worse than the Ant? Oh, interesting. I really I like, like the, the design Anth, of the honestly, Ant. Honestly, it's got like, a... The Ant is cool from a fictional perspective, right? Yeah. From a world-building perspective. And I've always kind of liked the heavyweight, chunky mobile suits, so... I really like like the idea of the chin gun and whatnot. So, all right. So the Gadessa is at number ninety-one above the Jinx and below the Anth. <laughs> and that will do it for this one. Anything else we want to say on this episode? Nope. Just pretty good. This is a really good way of getting a time skip through without bogging people down in too much exposition. Yeah, it really helps move the plot forward too, right? Because we get the line of like, "Oh, we've been we've had twenty fights in the time skip," and you don't feel like you miss them at all because those are just twenty random encounter fights that we would have just been like, "This feels like a random encounter," right? Well, and I think like the biggest quote unquote biggest like character change here is the fact that Anu and Lockon are actually in a relationship, and Soma and, and Alleluia aren't. <laughs> and while like the Soma Alleluia thing, they kind of. Like they, not backfilled, but they gave us that scr- that uh, shot quick, kind of to show where her headspace is at. But the lock on a new relationship, while I mentioned I don't, I'm not super thrilled about it. It wasn't one of those where I was like, "Well, that's not possible." Like if Setsuna had started 
you know, shacking up with Sumeragi or something. <laughs> like, Sasuna started dating Beta. Like, that would have come out of absolutely nowhere, but this is a relationship they'd already kind of hinted at. Okay, so. actually, so here's a question. Do you think Alleluia has had drinks with Sumeragi to discuss his relationship problems? Yes. <laughs> no, because I think Sumeragi's doing better and he doesn't want to tempt her. That's fair. Do I think he's also talked to Ian? <laughs> also, yes. yes. <laughs> I was going to say, do I think that would help him out tremendously? Because she would have given him the same advice as Lock-On, right? And he's, this is clearly a new idea to him. All right. It's again the we'll return in Shadow of the Innovators. something wrong i love you <laughs> he's targeted and firing all right wait when did this happen that's awesome the flowers of love have blossomed congratulations anu uh, uh, just go already 